Well, the virtual thrills just keep virtually coming at the virtual Democrat National Convention. Yesterday, the rapt audience of George Stephanopoulos and whoever gets paid to watch stuff for Nora O'Donnell were electrified to see virtual Democrat star Bill Clinton virtually address the virtual crowd. Clinton spoke on the 100th anniversary of women gaining the right to vote, which Democrats say ensured their ability to win elections by appealing to people without the capacity for reason. Clinton's speech, entitled Girls, 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 described why he joined the Democrat Party. Clinton said, quote, are you kidding me? Where else are you going to find some of these big haired babes who all you have to do is sling a little feminism at them and they let you do any damn thing you want? Even if you knock them up, you can always hit them with the woman's right to choose line. They fall for that every time, unquote. In a more solemn moment, Clinton said, quote, when you think about it, not a single Democrat president would have been elected in the last century without the votes of those fluffy headed little darlings who giggle so appealingly when you're chasing them around the room, exposing your private parts. Maybe they're not giggling. Maybe they're weeping. But who can tell with women, unquote. Clinton went on to reminisce, saying, quote, sometimes I think back on how me and my good friends Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein chased down any girl any age we wanted and then had our pals at NBC and ABC kill the story. And women never said a word. Then we had my same NBC pals release a tape of Trump making some dumb remark. And suddenly there were marches and Me Too's all over the place. And I just think, hooey, I sure am glad I'm a Democrat, unquote. As a point of clarification, Democrats say they do plan to resume caring about the abuse of women as soon as Joe Biden hands the presidency over to Kamala Harris. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, we are back laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. Please go to the YouTube channel, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, and subscribe. We're trying to get up there to 100,000 subscribers, so that means you. If you haven't done it yet, you're an evil person uh, and will be damned for all eternity. Also, if you leave, <laughs> but if before you're damned for all eternity, you leave a comment, and it raises the level above even brain dead. We will consider that to raise the level of the conversation on the show, and we will read it on the air. Today, we have one from CounterPoint who says, Clavin said he would read a comment if it was slightly above brain dead. So my comment is Joe Biden. <laughs> That's close. That's close, CounterPoint. All right. While the Democrats continue their attempt to elect a marionette, I want to return to talking about what it's going to mean to be a conservative in the future, framing a philosophy that will help us build a winning large tent coalition that includes different ideas, but still maintains central values. Yesterday, I was talking about the redefinition of the national political divide as being between friends of the founding and enemies of the founding. I heard somebody describe it as 1776 versus 1619. Obviously, the enemy are represented by the New York Times, a former newspaper. They think racism is in the nation's DNA and that the founding was immoral in itself and an immoral means of keeping slavery alive, which is factually untrue, but they don't care. It's their narrative and they're sticking to it. Friends of the founding believe in certain basic principles. One, there is a God. Our rights come from that God, not from government. 
Our rights are self-evident. They are the principle we don't have to prove. That was called an axiom. The principle you don't have to prove, but what on which everything else depends. All methods of thought, including mathematics, have axioms. You can't prove that A plus B equals B plus A, but if it doesn't, math won't work. Same thing is true of our God-given rights. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That means basically that you should be left to choose your own way in life, which includes spending the money you earn the way you see fit, not the way the government sees fit. You have no rights that include spending other people's money because that's forcing them to work for you, which has a word name. It's called slavery. To protect your rights is the central purpose of your government. Our constitution is a machine that tries to ensure the government does that. It does it by limiting what government does to certain specific powers. Laws that overreach those powers should be deemed unconstitutional. That hasn't happened in approximately 200 years, but still, that's what should happen. Finally, the fact that it is God and not government who endows us with our rights mean our rights come with moral responsibilities. Defining at least an outline of those responsibilities is part of defining who we are. So we're going to need at least a vague notion of who the founder's God is and what he wants from us. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. The mailbag will be coming up today. And also, good news for people who brush their teeth. I know that's about, I don't know, 25% of my audience. But for those in the audience who actually brush their teeth, Quip has got some new gizmos that will help you and inspire your kids too. The Quip Smart Brush. You know the Quips are the beautiful electric toothbrush uh, that's kind of portable. It's really well designed. It doesn't look like a cannon. Uh, you can travel with it much more easily. And the Quip Smart Brush, which is for adults and kids, connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth. And track. you can track when and how well you brush and get tips and coaching to improve your habits. You can earn points for daily brushing and bonus points completing for challenges like streaks. Uh, you can redeem those for rewards like free products, gift cards, and discounts from Quip and partners. If you already have a Quip, you can upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. Sensitive sonic vibrations, two-minute timer, really useful uh, for making sure you do all the brushing you're supposed to. You can start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Just go to getquip.com slash Clavin right now to get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Clavin. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Clavin. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking anybody can spell get quip, but how, 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 how do you spell Clavin? How do I? No, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no means. <laughs> I just make it look easy. So as I was pouring uh, bleach in my eyes uh, to try to blot out the Democrat convention last night, I paused in my mindless shrieking from the uh, bleach in my eyes to have an actual insight. You know, one of the reasons, here's my insight, one of the reasons it's hard to communicate with our Democrat friends is because we're making arguments from totally different points of view. We all, of course, think our arguments are the moral arguments, but they make arguments grounded in a sense of their own morality. Right. I, I, I pick on Christians for this all the time. I pick on Christians for all this all the time. I say, are you making an argument that is actually going to show love on, to your neighbor? Or are you making an argument that just makes you feel like you're superior morally? And I think what the Democrats do all the time is they, they take a policy and they don't say this policy will improve the world because they say this is a moral policy that will make you a moral person. They do it all the time. They say immigration is good. Uh, unfettered immigration is good because if you don't do it, you're racist. It's the non-racist thing to do. They don't say it's going to improve the country. They don't 
talk about what economic impact it might have on our homegrown workers, on the lowest uh, workers in our society. They don't talk about any of that. Uh, they don't talk about de demography. If you even think about demography, you're a racist. It's just about your moral standing, how moral you are. Let's spend a trillion dollars on your education or health care or, you know, uh, you know, let's not talk about where the money comes from uh, or if it will actually improve the health care system or make it worse. It's just you don't care. If you don't care about your fellow man, you won't spend that money. And they do this. They do this with every all everything all the time. And, you know. Last night, I'm watching this thing and who's there, you know, Bill Clinton is there. This guy who has been accused of rape, uh, he has uh, he obviously abused his intern, Kamala Harris, who is uh, basically slept her way into politics. She is a person who uh, hid evidence, exculpatory evidence, even for people who were on death row. Bernie Sanders, a guy who supported the slave state of the Communist Union, uh, the Communist Union, the Soviet Union, uh, and he still supports this communist philosophy that has resulted in over a hundred million murders, directly related to the philosophy he supports. These are bad people. These are not good people. These are not people who have any right to tell. And they stand up and they lecture us. And, you know, they hit us on Trump. But the thing and, and they've got a point about Trump. Trump has done some really scurvy things in his life. Right. But we don't argue that Trump is a good person. We, we've ne I don't, I've never argued that. I've never argued that Trump is an upright moral guy. I argue that his policies make the world and our country a better place and serve the people. And that is where the morality of, of it lies. It lies with that, with the effects of his policies. And the fact that he's a, a guy, the, his personal behavior is not what we're arguing about. But they are. And they're terrible, terrible people. Let's take a look at, for instance, Bill Clinton. Now, here's a picture that came out. And of course, it came out in a British newspaper, the Daily Mail, not in an American newspaper. It's Clinton getting a massage from one of Jeff uh, Epstein's girls. Now, let me say off the top, she's 22 years old. And she reported that Clinton, during this whole trip they were on, didn't attack her and acted and behaved like a gentleman. However, however, for those of you who don't know about uh, Jeffrey Epstein, like Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein was said to be that his genitals were deformed and that he was largely impotent, that he a lot of the times he was impotent. Both Epstein and Weinstein have this in common, uh, reportedly. And uh, it's kind of interesting. It makes you think that this may be why they wanted to dominate uh, and hurt and, you know, overwhelm women. Uh, maybe there's some sense of insecurity. But the thing that Epstein did, and this is from the book uh, Filthy Rich, which is now, I think, a Netflix documentary. It's by James Patterson, the thriller writer, uh, and a very well-researched book about how Ghislaine, Maxwell, and Epstein lured these girls in. And the way they did it was through massages, okay? So it was come over and give a massage. Uh, I, I'm going to be naked. Uh, you know, you should take your clothes off too. And then it progressed from there. And whatever Epstein could do and whatever he could get away with, he eventually did. And these girls were uh, underage girls, very innocent, didn't really know what they were doing a lot of the time, uh, took money, needed the money. They were, uh, many of them uh, were, you know, strapped for cash. And so they took the money uh, while it's just a massage, you know, it, it, and it, it would move up uh, step by step from there until they were enslaved. So I'm not saying that Bill Clinton in that picture is doing anything wrong uh, specifically to that girl or that that girl is underage. What I'm saying is he's participating 
in a system of enslavement of underage girls. And he's participating in the way that that system takes place. Now, you can argue that he didn't know it. I don't believe you. I, I, he, this guy knew Jeffrey Epstein. He traveled with Jeffrey Epstein. He went to his island, his, what they call it, what, what do they call it? The Lolita Express. And he went to his paradise uh, island. And, uh, you know, I just don't believe he didn't know what was going on. I, I don't have proof that he was actually, uh, you know, doing anything with these underage girls Though we now have eyewitnesses saying he, uh, they saw him with her. OK, so he's participating in the system, in the system. He was credibly accused. And I, I really want to go through this because this is the guy who's speaking at the convention to not where uh, Joe Biden was officially nominated. So he's participating in the system. He was credibly accused of rape by Juanita Broderick, not like Brett Kavanaugh, who was accused by a woman who couldn't even prove she had ever met him. Uh, he was credibly accused of, of rape. That doesn't mean he did it, but it means that they, he was credibly accused. He was accused by a lot, a lot of women, and there were a lot of witnesses to his exposing himself, to chasing them around the room, to his mauling them. Hillary Clinton helped silence those women. So did James Carville. You remember James Carville, who's on TV all the time, making jokes and being his laid back Louisiana self. This is the guy who said, you know, oh, these are the kind of women, their complaints are just because somebody dragged a hundred dollar bill through a trail. Trailer park, that's where these women came from. So did George Stephanopoulos. There is video of him. I've played it many times on the show. Video of George Stephanopoulos, now the chief news uh, guy on ABC. George Stephanopoulos calling up reporters and telling them to suppress what they called bimbo eruptions, which we now call Me Too complaints, right? Complaints of women about how Bill Clinton uh, treated them were suppressed by George Stephanopoulos. It is on video. You can see him doing it. He is now the chief a ABC anchorman. Now, the Epstein story was suppressed, we know, for at least three years at ABC. We have those videos as well. We see, we have seen it, the, uh, the news anchor complaining that she had the Epstein story and they wouldn't let her run it. So we can't prove, but this is while Hillary Clinton was running for president, the Jeffrey Epstein story was suppressed as a news story on ABC where George Stephanopoulos still works. We don't have proof that Stephanopoulos was involved, but he is the chief news correspondent at NBC, at ABC. So there, there's every reason to suspect that George Stephanopoulos helping out Hillary Clinton helped suppress this. Again, I don't have proof of that, but we do know, we do have proof that ABC suppressed the story, all right? The Weinstein story was killed by Andrew Lack and others, according to Ronan Farrow, it was killed at NBC, which was obviously owned by Universal Comcast, so they were getting pressure from Hollywood, while they were in the process of protecting Matt Lauer, who was also abusing women. Then, NBC timed the release of the Hollywood access tape of, of uh, Donald Trump saying, when you're a celebrity, women will let you do things to them. That was what he said, when he, and he had used ugly language, okay? So that was released timed release. They held it back until they thought it was going to hurt them the worst. And then NBC, same guys who would kill the Harvey Weinstein story, same guys, release this, okay? Now let's go to Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is accused by a woman who has no proof that she ever met him. Activists corner Jeff Flake to try and affect his vote on the confirmation. They corner him in an elevator and this tape went viral. This is cut 19 of what these activists said to J Jeff Flake. This is a feminist activist and I'm not doubting their word at all what they said to Jeff Flake about voting for Brett Kavanaugh. I was this sexually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone, and you're telling all women that they don't matter, that they should just stay quiet because if they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me, and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter, they should just keep it to themselves because if they have told the truth, you're just going to help that man 
to power anyway. That's what you're telling all of these women. That's what you're telling me right now. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You're telling me that my assault doesn't matter. Okay, so look at me when I'm talking to you. Where are this woman's woman's tears today now that she knows that Clinton friend uh, Harvey Weinstein was suppressed, the story was suppressed by NBC, that she knows Jeff Epstein's story, Clinton friend Jeff Epstein's story was suppressed at ABC where George Stephanopoulos works. Where, where are they now when Joe Biden is accused of fingering a woman by Tara Reid and that story is suppressed? Dean Bequet at the New York Times didn't cover it for over two weeks and then ran it on the inside pages of the Easter Sunday edition and then gave an interview saying, well, we didn't cover it because it wasn't in the news. This is the new editor of the New York Times says we're not covering the story because it's not in the news. I, I, I know it's not in the news because I read the New York Times and it wasn't there. So we didn't cover it at the New York Times because it wasn't in the New York Times. That was Dean Bakay's argument. Where's that woman's tears now? And here's the speaker at the convention yesterday. Bill Clinton is cut 10. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. The buck never stops there. <laughs> you forgot to add, and I never had sexual relations with that woman. My point is that the entire Democrat media machine is Bill Clinton. It abuses women. It manipulates women. It manipulates their emotions to get them to vote for them while using them for their own purposes. The entire Democrat party is is Bill Clinton. He should have been the keynote speaker. They just brought him out because they have to, because a lot of people uh, were brought into the party by Bill Clinton. There's still a lot of Clinton Democrats in the party. They have to bring him out. But this is the way they treat women and they treat them at every level, the media level, the uh, corporate level, the political level. They are all doing it. And now (laughs) Trump pardons Susan B. Anthony uh, for voting. She was fined uh, like a hundred bucks for voting illegally. So he pardoned her on the hundredth anniversary of women getting the right to vote. So they can't, they hate Trump so much. So they cancel Susan B. Anthony. She was now a bigot. Here's this, uh, na- what is it now? This, so the editor, Luria Freeman canceling Susan B. Anthony because Trump pardoned her. Every election year, women cast their ballots and trek to Mount Hope Cemetery in Rochester, New York. They proudly placed their I Voted stickers on the headstone of women's suffrage heroine, Susan B. Anthony. They have perpetuated idealized versions of Anthony and her white colleagues, such as Carrie Chapman Catt and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Evidence of their ruthless racial bias has been pushed to the shadows, enabling the erasure of their women of color counterparts who also fought tirelessly for the right to vote. Susan B. Anthony only appeared to care about black people when the status quo was in her favor. You know, the kind of lounge lizard who will say anything to get a woman into bed. That's the Democrat Party. They're now Susan B. Anthony is no good. It's, it's too bad. You know, I think it's too bad that when he's when Trump celebrated women getting the right to vote, they didn't come out saying women shouldn't have the right to vote. Are you kidding me? I'm sh- truly if Trump cured cancer, they would come out in favor of cancer. Let us not forget. OK, let's not. I'm not being uh a prig about Bill Clinton's sexual life. I think he's an abusive guy, which is much different than being a promiscuous guy. I think he was an abusive guy. But let's not forget that he did not give the order to kill Osama bin Laden because he had lost his political weight because of this scandal. So when he says that the Oval Office should be a command center, not a storm center, what he was doing in the Oval Office was sticking cigars up a woman young enough to be his daughter who had no power. She was an intern while he was the most powerful man on earth. If that's not abusive, and if this is not an abusive party that just 
cares about these things, when it will get them women's votes. I don't know what it is. And the same goes for black people. If you think they think black lives matter, take a look at their damn cities. This is These are bad people pretending to be good people, arguing you should accept their policies because they're good people. It is an amazing act of hypocrisy. However, if you want to improve your life, if you actually care about your own life, you want to think about Ashford University. You don't want to have small dreams. You want to have big dreams. And to get big dreams, you need an education. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. I've always wanted to get an advanced degree, and I haven't done it yet, and I probably should. But at Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home, which most people are going to be doing anyway, or you can learn from wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs, business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. You get 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and there's financial aid available. Go from dreaming to doing. Your bigger future starts today at Ashford University. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash Andrew. That's ashford.edu slash Andrew. Ashford, Ashford edu slash Andrew. Not all programs are available in all states. So the best speech yesterday, uh, unquestionably, was Joe Biden. And I'll explain why it was the best speech in just a minute. Let's hear a little cut. This is uh, clip 16. Four days after Bo's funeral, I watched Joe shave and put on his suit. I saw him steal himself in the mirror, take a breath, put his shoulders back, and walk out into a world empty of our son. He went back to work. That's just who he is. She had this great line where she said, how do you heal a nation the same way you heal a family? This is the argument for Joe Biden. The reason it's good, I mean, obviously a wife testifying about a husband. I, I have to say, I have nothing against Joe Biden, truly. I would have a little bit more respect for her if they kept, if she stopped the Democrat Party from doing what they're doing to her husband because it's elder abuse. It really is. The guy's not equipped to be doing what he's doing. She knows it. Uh, I'm sure she knows it. And uh, that's but but if you're making an argument for Joe Biden, it's that he's a nice guy, uh, that people like him. And I'm sure people do like him, you know, and, and that he's a good family guy and all this stuff. And, I, you know, that that's the argument. That is the argument. Unfortunately, then they <laughs> did this really embarrassing thing where they had him come on and thank her. And uh, th this is this is him thanking her. So th now this is the argument against Joe Biden in the next step. This is cut 17. Hey, everyone. I'm Joe Biden's husband. <clears throat> As you heard tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, you can see why she's the love of my life the rock of our family. She never gives herself much credit. But the truth is, she's the strongest person I know. She's a backbone like a ramrod. She loves fiercely, cares deeply. Nothing stops her when she sets her mind to getting something right. And you know, for all of you out there across the country, just think of your favorite educator who gave you the confidence to believe in yourself. That's the kind of first lady, 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 this Jill Biden will be. <laughs> What the hell was that? 
It was like a record skipping. What, what is wrong with that? I, I shouldn't laugh at him, but they're the ones putting him up there. It's, you know, when the balloons dropped, he looked like, is, is it my birthday? <laughs> Where am I? You know? So Jill Biden, you know, to give her credit, she made the argument for it. I have to play the news media, the networks. I, what is the CBS, I think, uh, reacting to the Jill Biden speech. Yeah, it's CBS anchors. Uh, cut one. It's Nora O'Donnell, John Dickerson, and Margaret uh, Brennan, I think. Let, let's just hear the reaction, because it is hilarious. This was a reflection of who Jill Biden really is, that teacher, that warmth, that personal sort of message to that this is the nice guy, my husband, Joe Biden. Yes, and some good writing in there about the quiet is heavy of the empty classrooms. But, you know, all, for the last two days, they've been talking about Joe Biden knows us. Uh, Congressman Clyburn said last night, this is the personal reason she was offering for why he knows the, uh, knows us, knows Amer the American people, because his loss is the avenue into regular people's lives and their own challenges. You know, one of the things in this speech as we look at the text. I love that line. How do you make a broken family whole the same way you make a nation whole? This empathy um, idea that they continue to hit on Michelle Obama last night and, and Dr. Jill Biden tonight. I, you know, I, I can't play any more of that lest the incisive uh, news analysis fill up your head with too much wisdom. You know, I don't I don't want you to like embarrassing your friends by making them feel they don't have the kind of wisdom you got from watching CBS News, because when you have that kind of incisive analysis of a speech, sometimes, it, you know, it's like listening to Aristotle uh, discussing Plato. You know, it's just uh, you just wow. I, I now understand that speech, how great that speech was even more uh, than I did. So that's what that's what Trump is running, <laughs> running against. But again, I, you know, nothing against Jill Biden, but I would respect her more if she stopped them from running her husband because the guy is clearly not equipped to do this. You know, uh, we have been trying everything at The Daily Wire is about there's only one purpose to the entire organization of The Daily Wire, and that is to save the Claven, to keep me from getting any kind of uh, illness that would, you know, debilitate me and take and suck all the wisdom out of the organization. And they don't want that to happen. So I've been broadcasting from home uh, all this time. And in order to do that, I need great Wi-Fi. And in order to keep my Wi-Fi great, I use Eero. I used it long before uh, we got they became a sponsor. I, I wired my house. It took me a couple of minutes because we've got a big, you know, kind of sprawling uh, place. And I've got a, an office out in the back that's separate from the house and I need great Wi-Fi out there. I get it because I use Eero. It's an Amazon company, so you know it's going to work. It covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi inside and out. Uh, if you have rooms that have bad or no Wi-Fi, and we did, uh, or dropouts on the patio. I was out on the patio having a cigar, uh, a virtual cigar with the host of uh, the Young Heretics last night, and I had great uh, Wi-Fi because there's an Eero right next door, to, right next to the door, so it sends it out there. Uh, you can be on a work call. The kids can be remote learning. Someone can be streaming videos all at the same time without any buffering when you use Eero. Really, it's great. Uh, we're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi right now. Eero can help yours do more. Go to Eero.com slash Andrew and enter code Andrew at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O.com slash Andrew, code Andrew at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. Eero.com slash Andrew, code Andrew. I recently had to take it down because we had uh, uh, to do one of those termite tent things and setting it back up. It took me seconds to set it back up. It really is great. Um, all right. Now, the other thing that they're selling you is division. They're not only selling you mor morality. They're saying they're the party of unity. Here's Chuck Schumer. Uh, cut nine. The Statue of Liberty, the same site that greeted hopeful immigrants like my grandparents, a symbol of freedom and a beacon of hope to the world. Today, 
Donald Trump has divided our country, diminished our greatness, and demeaned everything that this statue represents. He even hid in a bunker as Americans were tear gassed and beaten. <laughs> the Statue of Liberty is crying. Remember that was Chuck Schumer? The Statue of Liberty is crying because he won't let all the immigrants in. This is a party that has divided men against women, black against white, gays against straight, any little identity pack they can find and set it off against another to get power is what they do. AOC made a 96-second uh, speech. Uh, she got 96 seconds, the new star of the party, and her job was to second the nomination of Bernie Sanders, which is, that's not strange. That's part of their rule that he had enough delegates that he had to get nominated to, and he had to be voted on to, so that wasn't strange. She doesn't even mention Joe Biden, though, and listen to the rhetoric. This is cut eight. Infidelity and gratitude to a mass people's movement working to establish 21st century social, economic, and human rights, including guaranteed health care, higher education, living wages, and labor rights for all people in the United States. A movement striving to recognize and repair the wounds of racial injustice, colonization, misogyny, and homophobia. <laughs> but we're the party of unity. But there's all that homophobia and misogyny and racial. Oh, and here's Bill Clinton. <laughs> Speaking of misogyny, here's Bill Clinton to give his speech about what a great time he had in the Oval Office. And now, uh, you know, Trump has ruined it by just going in there and working. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is, they, they have been burning our cities. They've been telling no, it's not just that they're burning our cities. It's not just that thugs and, and criminals are burning our cities. It's that Democrats are telling us our cities deserve, we deserve it. We deserve to have them burned. You know, yesterday, I got to play this. Marshall McCallum had uh, BLM leader Hawk Newsom on, and she asked him point blank. She said, is looting part of reparations? When you are looting a store, is that okay because of reparations? And Hawk uh, Newsom did this thing. Is it Cornell West? Is that the guy's name? The professor? He does this all the time. This is a Stalinist technique where you shout people down. You don't answer the questions. You don't let them finish the questions. You don't let them make their point. And while you're saying, let me speak, let me speak. So here's Hawk Newsom not replying to the question. Marshall McCallum asked him, are, is looting reparations? We're talking about banks like Brown Brothers mm -hmm. and Harriman, who benefited from slavery. Other insurance companies that sold right, so uh, you insurance want to see policies come from on slavery. We're talking about the question, American though, fairness, government that talk, was founded fairness, okay? on the backs of slaves. I, was, I listened and the to you, American and now I want you to answer my question. Reparations. Me, That's what reparations is. Do you, you want to know think, what reparations is? I'm telling you. That's what I'm you telling think, you. Sir, do you think, do you agree that it's okay to go in and break the windows at Gucci's or Macy's or Nike because it makes sure that that person eats and that person has clothes? That was my question to you. Is that ethically okay, okay to okay. you? Is it? Okay. Okay, and before I answer that, I want to ask you this. Do you think it's okay that no, America Are you going to answer my question? <laughs> no, he's not going to answer the question. She finally tossed him off the show as he deserved. You know, let me just play uh, just one little supercut from Grabian of white people, basically, white, black uh, militants screaming at black police officers uh, to, tell, to explain to them, to explain to them why they don't know that they are part of the problem. You should know that. I'm to your people. You're like the black Judas. You're part of the I feel sorry for your family. You're a piece of Yeah, you! Yeah, you! 
So they tell us they're the party of unity and they've turned all of us against each other. Uh, you know, they tell us they're the party of sexual justice and they abuse women. They tell us they're the party of Black Lives Matter and their cities are the center of, of black dysfunction and black poverty and black oppression. Uh, you know, they're preaching morality to us and they are really, really bad people. All right. You don't know. I'll bet if I asked you right now how much you're paying for insurance, Gabby Insurance can help you find out how much you're spending and it can help you save. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. Progressive nationwide travelers just link your current insurance account and in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. And by the way, if they can improve it, they'll tell you that too. Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. If they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate out. Out there and they never sell your info so there's no annoying spam or robocalls it's a good deal it's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation take two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowners insurance go to gabby.com slash clavin that's g-a-b-i g-a-b-i dot com slash clavin gabby.com slash clavin and you know you're probably wondering some of you uh, how do you spell clavin uh it's k-l-a <laughs> It truly is. All right, the mailbag is coming right up. You don't want to miss it, and you want to be in it next time. You've got to subscribe, and you want to get the best subscription, which is the all-access subscription. It's our most exclusive membership tier. Uh, It gets you on the all-access live. We did one Monday. It was great. We'll do another one next week. Uh, And tomorrow night, uh, there will be a special all-access live stream watch party covering the DNC with none other than Matt Walsh. That starts at 8.45 p.m., Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. You also get two leftist tiers tumblers. You can wear them on your ears or drink from them. Sign up at dailywire.com slash Clavin with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. Mailbag is coming right up. Mailbag. Uh, Billy Porter. And for those of you who are uh, just listening, not watching, I am wearing a skirt. Um, All right. This one is from Anonymous. Um, I'm hoping you can help with something that has been plaguing me now since my first child was born. She's only two months old. But if I'm being 100 percent honest with myself and you, I don't really like her that much. You hear all the time how amazing having kids can be, but I just haven't felt this joy at all. I love her and my wife as much as I know how. I would never think about leaving or cheating, but why can't I seem to enjoy my child? I don't want to. I don't really want to be around her, hold her, or play with her. I know God led me to my wife. She's the best thing to happen to me. I felt like my wife and I had an amazing marriage until my daughter was born. Now I just don't know where we stand. Is there something wrong with me? I'm not looking for comfort. I'm looking for direction. Any words you have would be helpful. Oh, well, first of all, uh, let me uh, say first, you're doing the right thing by in- admitting how you feel. I mean, I'm not saying that because, oh, it's so wonderful to express your feelings. Who cares about your feelings? I'm saying it because if you're in a place you don't want to be, you have to admit that so you can move to a place you do want to be. What you're describing is not that uncommon. Uh, And it sounds like to me, this is is a guess. This part is a guess. But it sounds like to me, you've got a little bit of, uh, you're a little bit shell-shocked by the fact that you have this wonderful relationship with your wife. And now suddenly her focus has got to be almost 100% on someone else. And that makes you a little jealous and it makes you a little angry. Those, that, that happens. It happens to guys. You know, I mean, you're very close to your wife and suddenly she is 100% invested in somebody else. And you're like, hey, what, you know, what about me? Uh, you know, 
th- this will pass. Uh, if your w- relationship with your wife was great before, it will be great again. It, 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 there will come a time when you can sit down with her and say, hey, you know, we happy children need a happy marriage uh, in their lives. So we have to make sure we spend time together. This is something you actually do have to make sure you do. But right at the moment, it just feels like you got kicked out of your own marriage. And what, what I would do is, is two things. One, I would admit this to myself and understand it. I would understand that you too now have a new role. You have a new role of being the shelter and support and defense of these two people, this unit of, of baby and child. In the first couple of months, there is, you know, as I quoted this before, there's a psychologist said, there's no such thing as a baby. There's only a baby and the mom. And the baby and the mom are, the baby and the mom are together bringing the humanity of that baby into being. Uh, this is an incredible crucial thing that's going on. You have to be there for them, whether you're thinking it's great or not. You do your job, which is to protect them, to shelter them, to support them. That's your job right now, okay? And if you don't, you're not feeling it, doesn't matter. Do the job anyway. Then you're going to have to deal with your feelings, okay? And to deal with your feelings, you might need therapy, but my guess is not. My guess is once you get your mind right about what you have to do and start doing it and start understanding this is not an intruder in your life. This is an addition to your life. This is a new thing in your life. And yeah, it's, you're going to lose some attention. Uh, you're not going to have the same, you know, uh, uh, unity of, of man and wife without a, a third person in it. There's going to be moments when you're trying to canoodle and the kids is going to interrupt. All those things are going to happen. That's part of the, the joy and craziness of family. But what you have to do is get your role straight and understand that these are the things that are bothering you and see if that brings out what is, is, I think, really there, which is your love for these two people. If it doesn't, then go to a, a therapist and discuss it with them. And, and don't exclude your wife. Let her know this is going on in the nicest possible way. Don't tell her, you know, you're excluding me or anything like that. But just tell her these are things that are affecting you. It's not on her. It's on you. You know, and, and, you, can, and you can get through that and get past it. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't worry about beating yourself up over it. Just deal with it. It's just a, it's a glitch. It's a glitch. We all have them. Every, every single one of us has them. You got to fix them when they come along. It, it's just the way it is. Uh, all right. Let's take another uh, let's take a video question from Matthew. Hey, Clavin, I have several questions about racial disparities. Why, for instance, do Jews dominate the Nobel Prize for science? Why do black people dominate professional sports, football, uh, basketball? Why do white people dominate professional wrestling? Is there just a innate ability to do choke slams and body slams. Please clear this up for me. <laughs> well, you can't you can't get the right question if you ask the you can't get the right answer if you ask the wrong question. The the right question is who cares? I mean who cares? I you know there's 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 a completely inseparable a uh, combination of nature and nurture in each individual, and I think in groups of individuals, uh, it's hard to distinguish culture from genetics. But I'm look, nobody thinks an Italian person is the same as an English person, uh, and if you raise that Italian person uh, in England with English parents. Uh, we don't know. We don't know how much you will be able to say, yeah, but he still has these Italian, naturally Italian traits. I mean, so much uh, of nurture goes into us. If you've never seen that hilarious video of the little uh, two-year-old Italian girl uh, just learning to speak, and she's speaking Italian with her fingers, she's making all these Italian gestures. Those are things that you just suck up out of the uh, atmosphere around you. So we don't know how much is culture and how much is race and how much is genetic. Uh, Maybe one day we'll have a better sense of it. We're beginning to have some sense of it, but it doesn't matter. The the question is, what is your relationship to people? And your relationship to people is very well defined. They are made like you in the image of God, and therefore you are commanded 
to love them as if you were loving the image of God. And that's what you ha that's how you have to treat people. This new racial uh, thing that they're selling us that if you're not racist, you're racist is blithering stupidity and racism. That's what it is. So you, there's, there's a pinnacle of thought about race. There's only one right answer to race, which is to treat each person like the image of God. That's it. That's it. After you step off that, after you think, well, I'm going to progress to the next step, you just fell off the mountain. That's the top. That's where you stand. The left is just utterly wrong about this. Each person is responsible for himself. Each person is himself. Each person is to be treated as an individual who is uh, made in the image of God. So, yeah, are there differences between people? Like I said, nobody thinks an Italian is the same as an Englishman. Uh, of course, there are differences between people. Maybe some of them are good and some of them are bad. But the point is, if, if each one is made in the image of God, you know that there was a good version of that person. You know that there was a version that, of that person that that person was meant to be. And that's the way you have to treat them. And that's what you have to look for in them and take each person as they come. You know, I mean, what difference does it make? Um, all right. From Alex, uh, I many greetings to the Clave. And I understand and agree that in a free society, I have the right to dissociate from others, just as others have the right to dissociate from me. Whatever reason, it could be because they don't like my race, my gender, my religion, and I may not like it, but I have no right to force somebody to associate with me or provide me with a service against their will. I'm wondering how this coincides with the active anti-discrimination laws, which make it illegal to discriminate against a person based on their race, religion. Uh, how do we reconcile adherence to these necessary laws with the freedom to dissociate from a person for any reason. It's really called freedom of association. It's not listed in the Constitution, but it is implied by the Constitution. And you're absolutely right. Civil rights law, especially it has, as it's been developed in trial law, wrongly, in my opinion, strips us of our right to association. That's why we're having this problem. There's an excellent book about this. It's called, it's called Age of Entitlement by Christopher Caldwell. Uh, it is a very, it's a kind of an epoch-making book in people's thinking about this. It's changing people's minds. There is something wrong with the civil rights law of 1964 that it strips people of their right to associate with whom they like. And when you start to say, when, for instance, the New York Times starts to say, we're going to hire more black people, that should be illegal. Uh, it should only be legal to treat people, as I just said, as individuals. Uh, and I think that civil rights law is in conflict with the Constitution. So you're absolutely right about it. Uh, let's hear another uh, video one from Sean. Hail Clavin, full of grace. I have an important question for you. I'm considering converting to Catholicism. I was raised Reformed Protestant, and I don't have time to get into all the reasons that I'm considering converting, but suffice it to say that if it is the one true church that Jesus established and that it claims it is, then I feel like I have a responsibility as a Christian to be a member of that church and to follow its teachings. Now, I do have significant reservations about this. I think that their doctrine of justification is abhorrent. I don't like the sacrament of penance. Uh, I think that it's very hard to believe that the holy tradition has remained uncorrupted by any kind of pagan influence for 2,000 years. And then there are pastors I look up to, like John MacArthur, who think that it's a Christian cult and that if you follow its teachings, then you will go to hell. I do not want to go to hell. My question for you, Clavin, is what do I do? Your answers are guaranteed 100% correct, so I would like you to tell me what to do. I've considered asking this question to Knowles, but that would entail me watching the Michael Knowles show. And <laughs> That is a problem. And also, Knowles will just tell you to be Catholic. He's a Catholic partisan. I am not a partisan, and I have a, a slightly eccentric, but again, 100% correct take on this, which is that the division that happened with the Protestant Reformation is part of God's plan for his church, and I believe God's plan, it is my faith that God's plan will eventually bring these churches together. There were in, uh, uh, issues that came up that were brought about by living in a Christian um, civilization dominated by the Catholic Church, like 
the fact of individual conscience, which was basically created by the Catholic Church during that time, uh, that came in conflict with the doctrines of the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church was actually, in some ways, in conflict with itself, and the Protestant Reformation was a result, I think, of that, uh, not just of the historical aspects. So my feeling is this. It's all about the Jesus. It is all about getting to Jesus. Getting to Jesus is what is going to save you and save your life. And this is, that's biblical. If you, you know, can, are following Jesus, if you are believing on Jesus, as the evangelicals like to say, uh, if, if you are believing in Jesus, that will get you where you need to go. And it really will. That relationship will get you where you need to go. For me, a church is a machine for getting you to that place. It is a series of rights, beliefs, systems that will get you in conflict, in contact with Jesus, with other people, because that's very important too, because they are part of the body of Christ. You have to make that decision. I decided not to become a Catholic, even though I share a lot of their theology, a lot of their ideas about theology, because I don't share the idea that they, that their, some of their diktats should take precedent over my individual conscience in keeping with scripture and in keeping with reading and in keeping with prayer. I believe that ultimately my conscience with scripture, with prayer, with advice from people uh, who are fellow believers uh, and wise fellow believers, I believe that should be the final uh, arbiter of my relationship with Jesus. So that's why I didn't become a Catholic. You may find, and many people I know and respect and who I believe do have a great relationship with Jesus, many people find that the Catholic Church is that vehicle. Uh, God knows Knowles without the Catholic Church would be an animal. I mean, the guy would be roaming the street, you know, scratching his chest, you know, so God forbid that I should ever talk him out of the Catholic Church. So that's why I am not a partisan. Uh, I believe whatever device will get you in contact with Jesus is the one you want to choose. And only you can decide that. Decide it with your own conscience, with scripture, prayer, and consulting people of different opinions that you respect uh, who are also Christians. That's how you make those decisions. Uh, you discern it, and ultimately, in prayer, uh, God will tell you how he wants you to approach him, from which direction he wants you to approach, approach him. Not all roads lead to the top of the mountain, but there are different roads that lead to the top of the mountain, and you're going to have to choose your own. i got to stop there. I, you know, so many great questions today. I wish I could just go on and on. That's what the All Access is for. So you want to get an All Access uh, membership and contact me when I do an All Access Live next week. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire, 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.